Mitch is checking his phone. I, you know, right at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, you come know. on. I'm sorry, it started buzzing. <laughs> Mitch, I ne- I never, airplane I never, mode. Number one, or I, you're fired. I never. <laughs> again. the airbrain podcast everybody i'm your host jason this is mitch and that's john and uh today we're talking about mastering authentic marketing so basically it's trying to uh kind of ties into what i just said it doesn't it it avoids the bs meter as i've written here on the note because your consumers they can smell that so don't do it authentic marketing actually requires you the marketer be a fan of the service or products you are marketing without that connection marketing efforts can be inauthentic in which the audience could pick up and ignore the brand identity entirely. So what do you guys think? That's the whole episode. There we go. All right. Well, good. Thanks. That and come back next time. Made Andrew's job easy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, I've said this over and over and over again, like many things it's people have so many ways now to find out how authentic or how real you are. They can go to, they can Google you they can look at you on social media, and if they're not getting a, if they're not getting the same vibe from all those sources, versus the interaction they may actually have with your brand in a transaction, they're going to find out very quickly. Mm-hmm. Or if what you're saying about your brand and your marketing, they're going to know pretty fast these days. If people find out things instantaneously, Google, social media, whatever the case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're trying to attract trust from an audience. I mean, that's really what you're trying to do. You're trying to build trust. Or is it rapport? I don't know how to say it right. Rapport? You know, I, I'll tell you guys this. <laughs> rapport. If one of you were taken hostage and they were like, if you don't spell this word correctly, um, <laughs> your friend is going to die. And if that word is restaurant, it's been really nice knowing you two. Yeah. Because I would be like, R-E-S-T-R-U-R-A-N-T-A. I don't. Where exactly? Where exactly does. R-E-S-T-R-A-N-T. <laughs> yeah, where exactly does the AU fall in the spelling? I always, you know, is it here or is it here? It's the left side. <laughs> for sure. The, the left side. I think you're right. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, for authenticity, because everybody says it, you know, this has been the thing, be authentic. Yeah. It's been the marketing thing for, I don't know, probably forever in some form or fashion, but that phrase in itself, since I, yeah, I feel like it's about six or seven years when social came about, People were like, well, you got to really be authentic on social. You got to be real. Right. What does that mean? (laughs) Well, I think it means don't wake up in the morning and then, you know, try to present yourself like, this is how I look when I wake up in the morning, you know, because that's sort of become like a movie trope with uh, certain films that deal with, um, you know, situational dramas or whatever. It's like, yeah, everybody like on Instagram is not really how they look. No. Yeah. I know. Shocker. I'm stunned. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, it's, it, I think probably this this whole. I mean, to I your, am. To your, <laughs> we know. We know. <laughs> I mean, I think mean, that's probably the advent of all this. It it started, the drumbeat really started with social media because that was the door, to to showing, your authentic you. Well, it also became the door to, being inauthentic. Exactly. You, know, you set up this separate life or whatever. As a brand, you set up this sort of, you try to set up this separate identity, in a sense. You try to be what you think the public wants to see. Perception. But you have to actually be that, and people can pick up on it pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, 
we have met, all three of us have met and worked with or for people that we've seen that are not authentic and sometimes in senses and ways that are just incredibly uh, demonstrative. Is is that a word well, to use for that? I, 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 <laughs> if you want to. I mean, Rapport. I'm the senior member here, so I've got a longer history to deal with, but I can tell you that's just the nature, unfortunately, yeah. in the advertising and marketing universe. You're going to get a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's because the whole point of advertising and marketing is to project an image. Right. Anyway, so it's all and of, sell you right. on why you should do. Yeah. So obviously, um, but sometimes I just think that, you know, you have to be careful, like with your brand anyways, because like we've talked about on the last show with Mary Reed was, you know, the people in your company are going to talk about the brand. They're going to talk about the business. They're going to be bought into the mission and everything. And so when that happens, it's very organic to talk about it, discuss it. And those personalities, like there's no inauthenticness, whatever to it. Right. Cause you actually are bought in and believe it. And like, they're not going to try to conform and, you know, like, Oh yeah, I'm totally bought into this thing. And then in the back of their mind, they're like, God, I'd just rather be someplace else. Oh, well, I mean, I mean, how many of us, I mean, who've worked for like a larger corporation and part of your orientation, whether it's, <clears throat> whether it's said, you know, uh, literally or otherwise, there's always that kind of, in, they're, they're trying to get you to buy into the brand mm-hmm. at the beginning. Because, and we've preached this, John, we, we've talked about this. You know, being an authentic brand starts internally. Mm-hmm. You have to actually believe and live <clears throat> and perform <clears throat> the way your brand says it does. And you have to have that same attitude internally. Otherwise, when you try to project it, you're projecting something that isn't real. And people, again, back to what I said earlier, there's ways they can pick up very quickly on whether or not that's the case. Yeah. So let's talk about the uh, the one person that's in the show notes that kind of like we've seen uh, do this really well and actually coined a phrase called fast advertising. Okay. Um, many, <laughs> many have latched onto this and they've started defining it. And I'm just like, wait a minute. Okay, look, Ryan Reynolds actually came up with this. So, well, you, hey, everybody, let's cut and ask Ryan Reynolds what he has to say. And then at that point uh, in this podcast, you're probably going like, oh, cool, you got Ryan Reynolds on the show. No, we don't. Sorry. My or bad. Close enough. Yeah, close <laughs> enough. Um, anyways, it involves treating real-time cultural <laughs> moments uh, as a springboard to build their own brand buzz. Rapid deployment of your ads is related to this method, which can create authentic moments. But be careful because not everything is humorous or timely. Essentially, read the room. Right. We, know your yeah. and which goes to know your audience. It's it's related. Yeah. Know, not, and knowing your audience isn't just about knowing what they like and what they're about, but where they are in that moment in time. What's happening yeah. around them? Yeah, because that whole Peloton thing, they turned that around really quick and. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they had done that like six months after that had happened, everybody would have yeah, nobody, like, no. nobody would have made the connection. And, you know, a big part of what pushed that along was the industry folks were like, holy crap. <laughs> how did you all do that <laughs> yeah, so right. quickly? Right. And it was spot on. You know, how did you get that creative that quickly produce, you know, and distribute? That's the other half. Of yeah, it. I, I found, I found an interview that he did and he said that it was uh, in the, it was in about 72 hours. From concept to production to complete to distribution, seventy-two wow. hours. When you have a good idea, you know, yeah, well, so you, sit on it. Well, and you have the resources to get the wheels in motion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah. When you can pick up the phone and start calling people, saying, "Okay, we have to do this now," 
I mean, you have to have resources, both human and otherwise, at the ready to be able to pull mm-hmm. something like that off. And not everybody can do that. Well, just think about how long it takes us to get a bar to do a photo shoot or a video shoot, you know. And they, <laughs> yeah. you know, he could call anybody and be like, hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds, and I'd like to shoot a commercial in, right. your, in uh-huh. your bar. <laughs> oh, yeah, anybody would drop for that. They'd be like, yeah, come on in. Like, well, isn't it prime time when you get that? It doesn't matter. It's Ryan Reynolds. Uh, but, yeah, there's a little bit of that. You know, that, that said what do you guys think about the fact that this kind of throwing the term around digital, this digital universe we live in and having pretty ready access to resources to produce content. Hasn't that made it easier for people to turn on a dime in a way that maybe they couldn't in the past and get, create something and get it out quickly because you've got, digital cameras because you've got computers because you've got iPads and iPhones etc mm-hmm. you can you can literally turn around and produce content in a matter of hours rather than by days yourself. and weeks by yourself right yeah well see the thing is with this whole with the Peloton and Ryan Reynolds you had I mean his branding agency believe it or not is built around his him you know mm-hmm. yeah, I mean he's the creative director yeah I mean he's the creative director of it for those that don't know. And, you know, it literally one of the mission statements is that this brand agency serves Ryan Reynolds' whims. I mean, that's kind of the tone. Of, he has good instincts, though. Yeah, that's the tone of the brand. He's he. That's it. So when you know the tone, when you know yourself, you can turn around things very quickly because everybody kind of understands the direction we're going in because, you know, Ryan Reynolds doesn't sound like, you know, Johnny Carson or whatever. You know, it's like... Ooh. I know, I really went way back there, didn't I? <laughs> I know who that is. Yeah, I, I wasn't, I don't know when he left The Tonight Show, but I do remember when Jay Leno got it. But I'm Nin- not, I 90? think I'm not, yeah. I was in high school. I was right. born. It was 1990, I think. Yeah. I, was a, I was a huge fan since I was a little boy. Yeah, anyways, I digress. You're not that person, so it's pretty easy to kind of like spit out something in 72 hours. But what you were saying, John, it's still, you got to get the location. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's all all the logistics and then actually... Filming something that's worthy, you know, your idea may not come to life as you planned. And then again, distribution, getting it out there, getting it to YouTube, putting some money behind it. Maybe I don't know how they did it, but starting to generate that buzz, which it helps if you're Ryan Reynolds, you got a Twitter following, you know, Mm -hmm. but there are some built ins. Yeah. Yeah. You can't really distribute content if you don't have that many followers or there's not many people listening or paying attention. Well, you you better say something pretty catchy Mm -hmm. to, to get, you know, but that, that that whole term, or not that, get, not to, get that orga- to get that organic it, you know. reach. He worked for it. You know, if you think about it, it just takes time. I yeah, mean, when he, he was, when he was 18 or 19, I'd, he was working like the graveyard shift at a grocery store stocking shelves. So like he came from that to what he is now. It yeah. Took, yeah. Took I mean, if he years. was still the Ryan Reynolds back in the day when he did the movie called waiting, which if any of you have never seen that, Oh my God, that'll give you an eye opener about that universe. <laughs> Uh, don't watch that. It's not kid friendly. Don't watch that. But he was, yeah, in, I, you know, but if he was still that uh, stage in his career as an actor, then no, of course not. You know, I mean, it, he has evolved in his career and as a person like tremendously. Um, yeah. But if you think about it, you've watched, if you, you've seen waiting, mm-hmm. he's still essentially. Yeah. He still has that personality, that has sharp that, has humor. That, yeah. And, yeah. But you know, even though he's probably not wanting to be fond of the memories of it, but in Green Lantern is when he met his wife, you know. At least I guess something good came of it. That was the only thing I think that he would probably <laughs> say that did. Um, but, you know, he's he's kind of grown. Now he's retired from acting. 
At least it seems that way. Yeah. I think he's that he just, or sabbatical. He's he's not having to jump on every offer that comes across the table. He's got that luxury. He's I mean, there's another actor that's also in the in works in the advertising realm that mm. serves as a creative director who kind of is in that same yeah, completely man. different personality. Oh, yeah, is in that yeah. same in that same occupies that same space, and that yeah. is Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the creative director for. All right, all right, all right. Don't do it, Jason. Well, <laughs> I know you hesitated. Somebody you thought somebody about was, it. I did. Don't, somebody was you going checked to. Our, you checked our, you know, we made eye contact. Not okay. <laughs> yeah, but on. you didn't wave me off, so I was like, I'm doing it. <laughs> I knew something was coming. I didn't know what was coming, but uh, something was coming out. Anyway. I was curious. He, he was the creative director for Wild Turkey. Uh-huh. That sounds right. That yeah. can, for a campaign. And I don't know if he's the creative director or not, but he's the most visible face for Cadillac now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's another one of those guys who has a has probably I'm not sure his instincts maybe are as good as Ryan Reynolds. Well, I think that uh, I mean, he's not bad. That whole I've never met the guys. Yeah, so. I, well, I mean, but if you you watch their <laughs> if you look at their body of work, and I'm talking on the, the advertising type stuff. Yeah. For one thing, Reynolds is just prolific. Mm-hmm. I mean. There's a, a wireless company out of Canada he does work for. There's some kind of low-carb cookie or something he's done work for. I've seen it on, mm. on Facebook. Um, I mean, he has a pretty broad uh, repertoire. Yeah, yeah, and he's being himself. I mean, he's being, I mean, that's the whole thing about authenticity. I mean, you don't, you could literally watch the movie Deadpool or the series, and I don't know if there's a third one coming or not, but, I mean, you could watch it, and then you watch, like, what he does in that world, and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's that's the same guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> quirky, quirky, funny, very quick-witted, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. I mean, kind of as a side note, if, you, if you've seen any of the handful of more serious roles he's done, he can do it. I mean, he does serious stuff mm-hmm. well. Yeah, yeah. But the, the, but the stuff the same. It's got the same tone. It, yeah. It's similar. That's, yeah. that's kind of the point. I yeah. mean, it's a brand. Yeah. yeah, and you remember the ads. I mean, I still remember the ads that he's done and he's been putting his name and his, his agency behind, and I remember them. I mean, so there's that. The authenticity also creates that memorable, you know, mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I don't know what the word is. I'm just going <laughs> to stop because I've well, just, screwed up like four of them in this podcast. It's interesting because you look at McConaughey and you look at, Ryan Reynolds, not that we'll make the whole podcast about those two, because I'm sure there's others. Well, we have, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking about authentic marketing, so these are the two that kind of, there's probably many people listening or watching this that don't know that that's what these guys do. They don't, they just see them as their roles in the movies and think like, oh yeah, that's the guy that, you know, made a, you know, does the all right, all right, all right, and that's the other guy that was Deadpool. That's <laughs> he, he, probably he the did limit. it again. Yeah, that might be the limit. Yeah, but I didn't try to imitate. Um, I'm leaving. <laughs> anyway, they probably just don't. You never know. They may not know that. Oh, I didn't know they were creative directors of you know these these bands. Like I, when you mentioned the Cadillac thing, my mind did immediately go to not the commercials that he did, but it went to the Jim Carrey SNL where he's like pretending to roll a booger. <laughs> <laughs> they made fun of that. Like that was out. Like when those commercials came out, Jim Carrey was on SNL, and that came out like obviously Saturday night. I don't mm-hmm. remember. That. I do. Oh, it's hilarious. It was as he was impersonating Matthew McConaughey in the commercials, driving, uh-huh. and then uh-huh. he was mentioning like how he was rolling. Yeah. I didn't see that part, but I saw some of the <laughs> some of the other impersonations. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, the reason. I mean, I think the reason why Wild Turkey went to McConaughey and Cadillac for that reason is it, I think there's an authenticity authenticity about those about them as actors that comes through in their roles that it's consistent. Uh-huh. And the same thing with Ryan Reynolds. But again, I go back to it's it's just really interesting. 
Ryan Reynolds has really planted a flag in the marketing and advertising side of things. It's something mm-hmm. he really has a has a heart for. And uh, McConaughey is kind of like, I think I'll do this because it sounds fun. And it's, I mean, it's authentic and the, the work is pretty good. But you can tell that Ryan Reynolds, is, it, it, his, it's in his blood. Mm-hmm. He really enjoys it. He's not just doing it because he wants, look, is looking for another revenue stream, which yeah. I'm sure if that helps. Yeah, he I mean, doesn't really an energy. need that. Yeah. He's got an energy, yeah. you know, which, I mean, a good marketer, a good advertiser has a certain energy about them, typically. Yep. Well, he's an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. It, that too. It, you know, I mean, Aviation Gin, I mean, he sold that for what, $170 million something? Uh, I didn't something know he like sold that. it. Yeah, he did. He still does promotional work for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, as far as his... I think he kind of latched on the idea. He's like, wait a minute, if I want to play in these different areas then I'll just be a branding agency and we'll just do that. And then I get to play there. And the other cool thing that they do is too, I mean, they do like, if you look at their website and what they do, I mean, they're, they're in a market that I would love to be in, but they're, they're editing movie trailers and they're involved with the studios in promotion of those movies. Mm-hmm. I would love to do that. Cause I have a heart for, I love movies obviously. So, you know, I'd love to, you know, do some movie trailers and stuff like that. I think that'd be fun. Um, In a world where Jason is producing movie trailers. I'm leaving again. (laughs) I think you're jealous because we've got some, like, impersonation chops and we haven't heard. I'm waiting for my opportunity. You're waiting for your opportunity? Okay. Yeah, I'm just kind of curious what you got in the library. Me too. I'm trying to, you know, it's it's not not something you plan. One day it's going to explode and we're all going to go, what? Yeah, all of a sudden we're going to be sitting here talking and all of a sudden we got Peter Griffin on the show. We're just like, wait, (laughs) hold on. That's probably not it. That would be awesome. That's probably not it. (laughs) Well, if it's SpongeBob, I'm leaving the show. That, I would say that's probably even less likely. Squidward! <laughs> Maybe Patrick. <laughs> Star, I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting a starfish vibe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Lay around. And... Man. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know, it, it is interesting. I <laughs> go back on track. It is interesting. I, I'm trying to steer us back. <laughs> we're, 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 we've kind of moved off the side of the road. Um, it is interesting. I mean, again, going back to the decades and decades and decades of experiences in this business there is a performance you make yourself sound so ancient (laughs) because sometimes i feel it um there's a performance angle in this business even if you're not in 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 front of the camera but being kind of behind it whether it's producing video advertising print digital whatever the case there is a performance vibe to it you are you're creating and you're crafting and I'm sure that's probably another reason why these people like Reynolds and McConaughey gravitate toward it because it's another it's another way to perform. Yeah, it's it's another way to 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 exercise those skills and 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 that desire, but in a different. I don't want anybody way. thinking that fast advertising means like spur of the moment and unplanned, not strategic, just pick up the phone and turn the camera on and start hitting record and right. then tell the person on the other side, do a thing. Yeah. That's haphazard. Yeah. No, that's not what, that's not what they do. Obviously that 72 hours and everything they like, they obviously, that was something that I think there was some interviews a while back when the first Deadpool movie came out and he was doing like, you know, what Robert Downey Jr. would call selling soap and, you know, <laughs> he'd do the talk show circuit interviews and all that. Ryan Reynolds was doing the same thing. And he was talking to them and he's like, he was texting the marketing guys, billboard ideas and they just started talking emojis for Deadpool. And it was just the skull, the poo, and the L. And that was the entire billboard. And he said, <laughs> he, the, the marketing guys were like, we're going to do that. And he said, you don't have the guts. And then sure enough, they did. <laughs> you know, And it's like, I think that that's how 
how that works. He has that team on the back supporting him. And they're like, yeah, there's that just synergy, as they say, you know, and, and I think that that's why. But that's still not haphazard. That's still staying in line with the personality that they're trying to, you know, project and put out there. Mm-hmm. You know, they it's just the way it is. I well, mean, and it, it goes back to authenticity again. And that, is, that, that was a real moment that somebody had that had a real, unique, strong, creative idea and the ability to take advantage of it quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just there's some industries, I think, some products some services where that's easier to do mm-hmm. because because the the goal the the out of bounds lines are so wide you've got so much room to play yeah um it's harder i think if you have a product that's more narrow that, that maybe maybe and maybe i'm wrong but as i'm saying this i'm wondering i'm second guessing myself but still if it's a product or service that has a very narrow focus mm-hmm. maybe it's it's harder i don't see it's harder to, products it's harder doing to, it. <laughs> It's harder to think that open, you know what I mean, to have that big of a playground to play in. Well, I mean, there's there's budget considerations. There's, you know, timing and Time. all that stuff. There's wow. so much luck involved with it, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can have the greatest idea in the world, but mm-hmm. if you don't distribute it at the right time, even right. if you distribute it the right way, if you don't distribute it at the right time, like if something major had happened the day that he released that on Twitter, because mm-hmm. Twitter is really where that that whole conversation around the, the Peloton and, and that turnaround you know, generated conversation and then it hit the press and all that stuff. But if something major had taken the headlines that day, if your great idea, you, you know, it's a different story. It's gone. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's happened. It gets in, buried. It happened in nerd culture years ago. I remember when DC comics killed Superman, there was literally nothing going on in the news that day. And that had hit everywhere because they were like, who's going to war with so-and-so? No, nobody. Everybody seems to be fine today. And then all of a sudden somebody came in and said, I just read DC comic. They killed Superman. Like what? what? And then they ran with that. And that literally became a thing. And, um, you know, so yeah, like what you said, a lot of it has timing and luck and there, there is those elements that sometimes when you do something that, you know, you have to, there's That's right. there, I, you know? I think it's important for, for other brands who aren't, you know, of this, this stature, like, just because one idea didn't work out, it doesn't mean that the channel's broken. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that your, you know, your team is broken. You know, there's all kinds of variables that you kind of just have to keep iterating. And, and again, there's always a hint of luck in any advertising. Yeah. And it's going to actually catch on with the audience that you intend for it to catch on or a different audience. Yeah, because Newsflash, they killed Batman too, but nobody heard about that. Oh. Um, Not, it didn't I hit. just heard about it. Yeah, it, it didn't, they, they didn't <laughs> kill him. He was severely wounded well no they've killed him twice i see the first time was uh dark side killed him and then the second time the joker did in a cave it was a scott snyder his run that's when they started defining the joke i don't know why we're talking about this on the well did I you know just why. get showed yeah. up yes I, I did shown up i've never been a huge batman reader yeah um, i'm the dc guy he's the marvel guy and that's why like he'll he'll school me on like you know thanos <laughs> and all that stuff i ain't got a clue about like who's squirrel girl is or anything i well I'm not touching it. I'm not touching that. Please Leaving don't. it alone. But I mean, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, in order to this, this kind of crosses into the whole, you know, rap, what you would call like rapid response advertising, where you turn something around quickly and the whole idea atmosphere, good ideas, where do good ideas come from? What makes both of those things work is that there's always communication Mm-hmm. And there's always ideas being processed. It's It's got to be happening constantly. It's not something you can turn a switch on and off. 
Right. You've got to be monitoring the That's environment. Culture. Right. You've got to monitor the environment you exist in, but you also have to foster a creative process where people are always thinking and always coming up with something new or they're, they're where you're encouraging creative thought. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I'm, I've in, in the advertising business, I've never been a believer in creativity for creativity's sake. You're just creating smoke and not much mm-hmm. fire, but developing, developing an attitude among your, your peers and your colleagues and your, your marketing department, whatever it is, always be thinking about stuff and write, you know, keep notes, mm-hmm. keep a mor- We used to call a morgue back in the day. You, you, you know, looking through magazines and, and things like that. If you saw a really nice ad that really struck your fans, that this is strong, mm-hmm. not just because you liked it, but there were things about it that you understood what made it good. You tore it off and you put it in a morgue. Yeah. Cause you, you run into a circumstance with, with customers and with clients where they need something, there's a message that needs to be told, and you know there's a really good way to tell it. And let's face it, all the good creative we come up with is inspired by something else. Mm-hmm. Nothing is made up from whole cloth, okay? I'm sorry. Yeah, there's no new original <laughs> ideas. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, the whole emoji thing. Well, if the emojis didn't exist, they couldn't have had that idea. It, mm-hmm. it was kind of, the parts were prefabricated. Yeah, Forrest Gump was running, and, and it was on a T-shirt, and then he gave it to the guy, and the guy's like, you know, that happens sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm so, going to stop there because I, I got this look from John. He's like, just don't. I'm trying to think back of the scene. <laughs> yeah. I know what you're talking about. So, so no, yeah. I was like, I was going to go through the, and I was going to do an impersonation, but if, you had uh, that look on your face. You can do it. <laughs> no, no. Go on, Mitch. No, 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 no. It's okay. Just to, just to wrap up the thought, it's just, if you, if you have good ideas, keep them handy. Mm-hmm. If you've got good, I mean, and you may not have a, it's like, I've got this tool, but I don't have a use for it right now. That's okay. You will. You will. I yeah, think I kinda, people call uh, them swipe files now, not more. Yeah, right, right. I, I have, you know, I, I keep stuff. I keep screenshots and of a good email that I see, you know, a Black Friday email because I know I'm going to need it right. in a year. Yeah, right. and that's and that's not. Don't go around copying other people's well, sure. creative. Don't mm-hmm. steal people's ideas. There's a there's a fine line between between uh, being influenced in a creative direction by somebody else's work and just basically stealing it. Okay, yeah. don't do that. Yeah, we do in web. We do uh, snippets. You know, code's a little different. There is some code where you're like, I can't touch that. But, you know, we we keep it like, I like that, uh, uh, like in uh, installing code, for example, um, you know, I like how that drop shadow lands up behind an image. I like how that image in that element is shaped. And there's code that drives that. And we may like copy and paste that into a library. And we actually have on our on our remote drives and stuff, like Laura and I have snippets. and uh, you That do, will come in handy someday. Yeah, and then we have, I have tons of snippets for like, like as a WordPress developer, like even though now there's tools that do it automated, I'm, I'm again, I've been around for 12 years in this. Used to have to hand code a lot of the arrays for custom post types, which now they call them custom content types. I don't know. Anyway, <clears throat> back in the day, you know, we had to hand That's code. That's my line. That. Yeah, we had to hand code all that, and I did. And I just, you know, saved it. And then I've got, like, how do you do a widget, which those are getting deprecated now and things like that. So there's a lot of coding and, and custom features that I can just roll in because I just did a copy-paste because I know that code works. Yeah. And it's a very simple snippet, too. I mean, these aren't, like, expansive volumes of code. We're talking, like, six, seven lines. And uh, sometimes I see developers create, like, hundreds of lines to do that one thing, and I'm like, why? You can actually find this on the Internet Here's everywhere. a snippet. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> serious. That's why it's called a snippet, you know. Um, so, yeah, we do that, too. For the audience, the quiz next week will be on the word snippet. 
I think the most important thing to take away from this episode is what you just brought to the table about a morgue, because most people think dead bodies, and you just brought up like something completely different. <laughs> I'm sorry, I came I, I came up in a different era. I've adapted to this one, but but it still pertains. I mean, yeah. to your point, <laughs> no, it is. It's actually a good idea. I mean, we you know we're we're talking about the same in the same way. We just have three different, I guess you could say, uh, branches of you know specialty here same concept but it's the same exact concept yep. yeah yeah you have to have something that you're going to create a base and operate off of kind of like a color palette for example like right. these are the colors i'm going to use to make this like that's kind of what you're doing you know i mean everybody else uses blue but you're using it for something different i guess is the way to maybe say that but it's just things like that are things that help you turn ideas around more quickly but going back to the whole authentic thing you can't mm-hmm. just take somebody else's idea, repackage it and throw it out there and it, and it be authentic. It's got a, some way it has to contain your DNA. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, I think going back to that is like, how do you, how do you foster that culture, that creative culture within your organization? And I think as much as you possibly can, you know, re, uh, decrease the amount of space between the people doing the work and the customer and the direct engagement. Cause I know, you know, in the past I've even managed, uh, customer support emails for an e-commerce brand and seeing the actual customer feedback. You know, I was kind of in a director of marketing seat, but managing exactly. that day to day or at least overseeing it. Mm-hmm. And that's where all the good ideas came from. Oh, it's yeah. like we, you know, you come up even with a, a product bundle out of a question that somebody asked and that product bundle then within six months is your best seller. Yep. And it's but, like, that's, you know, not really a creative thing, but it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a, Creative decision, in a sense, it informs the creative. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's it's like when you know, I've I've done several, you know, testimonial uh, video shoots using real customers of real products and being around them. Actually, being on the shoot, you you don't just see them for five minutes. They do their mm-hmm. bit and they walk out. You spend hours with these people. You you take them through wardrobe and and makeup and everything and and never mind the fact that they just love going through that whole process because mm-hmm. it makes them feel like there are stars. I mean, but hearing them talk about, hearing them talk about that brand, hearing them talk about their real experience with it, the sincerity of it, mm-hmm. that's in. I mean, that's all the value of a focus group without all the crap that comes out of a focus group. Okay, because it's real, it's honest. There's it's, another quote for the show. It's unguarded. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's like it's like with reading the emails. These are people living in the moment and responding and um, interacting after well, interacting. Yeah, with the brand. there's that that kind of just natural human element. You don't know what you're going to get out of this person. So no. you're, you're kind <laughs> no. of, you're, you're studying them in a sense. I mean, you're, you're very observant yeah. of what they're saying and how they're acting and the words they're using. And well, it's like developing a brand, uh, your, your brand positioning and everything. And, you know, you're going to write copy and we've done it. You know, you write it in a way where you know your industry and this is what is typically said and this is how it's typically explained. Mm-hmm. Feature benefit. Yeah, all that. <laughs> However, I mean, there's a place for that. Ask your sales mm-hmm. team and what they're hearing and the questions they're getting and how they're the people they're talking to are responding to them when they say those things and what happens and and you start to feel you start to figure out really quickly like any place like you know we talked about developing processes on the last show like you can't really do that until you start actually trying to do stuff and observing and testing Mm -hmm. right you know it requires that um you test in a smart way of course but at the end of the day, it's like if your sales team is like, I'm getting a lot about this. I'm hearing this. When I say this, they associate it to that. You know, it's sort of like um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying not to call anybody out. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard. It is hard. Um, and no, it's not anybody that's here. 
at the Speakeasy <laughs> Podcast Network. No, nope, 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 no one here because they'll turn off the mics. Um, it's not anyone here. It's just that, you know, sometimes you have to call the thing the thing because you've confused people by trying to be clever by calling it something else. Mm-hmm. And I think I can say it that way. Because yeah. I know that, Mitch, you hate clever and, John, you hate puns. Mm. So don't do those. Somewhat. Yeah. I hate clever just for the sake of being clever. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, it goes I like out. clever in service of brand. <laughs> yeah. Clever. That's, that's called smart. Those ads that Mitch finds go into the morgue. <laughs> no, the, the the morgue that's kind of barrel shaped and small and sits on the floor. <laughs> Gets emptied out on Wednesdays. <laughs> yeah, right. No, th- this is interesting because I mean, there is that that invaluable input you get from the people that are out in the field. Whether it's your sales team, whether it's your marketing team, actually interacting with customers, in in a, like in a situation like I'm talking about, shooting, you know. Uh, testimonials that's the real thing the the thing you don't if you want to stay authentic the the trap you want to stay away from is sitting around that table with a bunch of marketing managers and internal people who think they know well i've been doing this for however long and we've always done it this way and this is what's always worked and i mean we've all run into that i mean we've lived it we've worked it We've combated. We've done it, it ourselves. Yeah, well, we've done it well. We've yeah, and exactly. You're, taught, you're actually taught that. And uh, years ago, I went to I went through Udemy Startup Academy, and you know the one thing the guy kept saying through all the courses was get out of the boardroom. And uh, if you have an idea, you know, and you've talked to seventy people, you need to talk to seven hundred. Uh, but you can't do that in the boardroom, sitting across each other and doing that. You're just not going to get the idea whether or not if you even have a. If anybody even wants it, or even if it has value, you got to get out the boardroom and you got to talk to people. And I had a friend, he had an idea. Problem is, it was very similar to something else. And he talked to seven people and I put him in front of an angel investor. And the guy was like, no. <laughs> it sounded good. <laughs> but, well, yeah, I mean, what if, I mean, like one of my axioms, and that is that advertise, for, if for a brand, your advertising is a lousy mirror mm-hmm. because it's not. The way you see the brand is not the way the customer sees the brand. The way you see the brand inside that headquarters isn't the way the man on the street is seeing or woman on the street sees your brand. You've got to get outside the bubble. Yeah, You've got to get out there in the real thing. world. Sometimes if somebody sees, to say with authentic, if somebody sees something that's not good, then you at least know how to fix that. But you're fixing it from a position of you know, being genuine. I really want to fix that because I don't want to project that. You know, and mm-hmm. you still become authentic in that process, even though. So if you're out there projecting um, something sloppy and you're, they're like, well, you know, you're kind of sloppy and you go back and you fix it. That's okay. You fixed mm-hmm. it. That feedback was constructive and you're not being disingenuous right. with anything. Well, you don't have to go physically out and do it. I mean, we do it with a web design, you know, we think we'd like to do it more frequently, but putting some kind of heat mapping scroll, you know, scroll tracking analytics on there to yeah, see how people are, are actually using the website before you go in and do all the, the heavy lifting of changing it. You know, yeah. same thing with surveys before you go into a rebrand, I mean, figure out what's important to your customers. So you don't just lop off something that is super important. We've done that for like three, three of our customers. Mm-hmm. And I think they've appreciated that. We took the time on that. We just didn't hand them something that was pretty and say like, is this okay? Right. <laughs> huh. I mean, it's, it's silly to yeah. just go pure intuition. Not that there, there's always an element of that, and it's yeah. probably 50-50. Yeah. But well, it depends on how days. much the customer pays, too. Well, that's what I mean, yeah. 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 It's like yeah. the last the last thing you're kind of, you want your account executive to walk into the marketing manager and put creative down in front of them and say, do you like it? 
Right. Yeah. I mean, it's if you can remove that subjectivity, that's what you want to do. I mean, yeah. as a business owner, you don't want any uncertainty about your next move. Yeah. So if you can minimize that and... And like you I have said. a lot of freedom to do design at that point because mm-hmm. now they trust you because you're basing it. Like design is actually cold and calculated. It's not all like, I feel like I'm going to paint a pretty tree today. Like that's not really design. <laughs> that's art, you know? So, yep. you know, design yep. is very cold and calculated, methodical. It has a process. Like if you really do it professionally for a living, you're like, and it's still enjoyable to do. No, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm wrong on that. But there's those things that you need to know what's going on. The beauty in creative and advertising is that it accomplishes its goal in the best manner, most effective manner possible. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty and effective creative in, in, the, in marketing and advertising. It, if you want to go paint Picassos just for the sake of making aesthetically pretty things, there are damn few brands in the universe that have that kind of luxury and flexibility because that's mm-hmm. not why people buy or partake in it. Mm-hmm. They partake in it because it has some value to them that makes their life better. And it's usually not just being pretty. Mm-hmm. So I've always said we're more like engineers. I mean, whether it's on the account side, whether it's on the management side, whether it's on the creative side, we build highly efficient machines that do a really, really great job at what they're designed to do. And that's how we build brands. And <laughs> And, and that's the, it has to be authentic. That's a part of, that's a part of, that's a part of the, the, the schematic, if you mm-hmm. will, for building that machine. Is it authentic? Because if it's not, you've built something for naught. To your brand. And that's kind of the thing that I've struggled with until I kind of saw it, you know, in person with, uh, I mean, an example of, of, I think a real brand doing it that I've been involved with at least is a CBD brand. And that industry is, you know, ripe with scams and mm-hmm. MLMs and, you know, just and, cra- and crowd think. Right. Right. And just uncertainty about the effectiveness and, you know, pseudoscience and things like that to the point where, you know, they leaned heavily into the fact that we grow our own hemp on our own farm. It's USDA certified organic, the farm. Mm-hmm. And so there were, that was authentic to them. That was something that, you know, there are very few farms in the United States who can genuinely claim USDA certified. Mm-hmm. And so it's differentiator and, and all that good stuff. And so it's like, you have to find those little nuggets of differentiation for your brand and what's authentic to your brand. What's real for you. It's not just like, I don't know that it, it's, it's a, it's hard to, it is branding. I mean, if you're, if you're going to do it well, it is finding those little nuggets within your company and they may not exist. And that's kind of where things get scary. Yeah. It you know, it's, it, it's funny. I'm sitting there thinking as you're telling, talking about this and I'm thinking about, so like in the, in the bourbon industry, for example, there's so many now mm-hmm. and bourbon has a very distinct way in which it's made that otherwise it's not bourbon. Right. Right. Legally. Right. So I'm sitting there thinking how difficult it must be. Aside from who started the brand, okay, they all use the same basic ingredients. Mm-hmm. It's like beer. Sorry. Sorry. Don't want to offend anyone. Oh, my God. But it's, all but right. it's, Send but, all your hate mail to Mitch at. It's the difficulty. <laughs> the difficulty in, I mean, part of what makes it authentic are those things, all the things you just mentioned, like with the CBD about, you know, certified organic farm, not just the plant itself, but the whole process, the whole mm-hmm. place in which it's made, grown. Extraction. Ex- right. 
Um, and telling an authentic story around those things, mm-hmm. not just the elements themselves, but telling a story that's authentic around them. And you look at like in the liquor industry, and I mentioned bourbon, that seems to be how they get traction too. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, it's not just the things themselves, it's the stories behind those right. elements that build an authentic story. So it's, it has to be more than just the authenticity of the product itself. It's that story about where those things came from and the philosophy that built it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's in your brand. It's in a brand guidelines. I mean, it's one of the key things that should be there is your brand story mm-hmm. so that everybody knows when they go and they look at that document, it's like, Oh, okay. That's, that's the origin story. That's how this, that's how we got started. This is how this happened. This is what we stand for. It's our mission. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Blah. And it's yeah. all right there with bourbon. It's right, usually right there on the label. Like I mean, I know, yeah. working with old forester, it was first bottled bourbon. Whether or not it's true or not, there's right. a lot of historical <laughs> disagreements. But first bottle of bourbon, George Garvin Brown, you know, the founder and the first guy involved. This picture's still on the label, the old classic, you know, old photo of him. Yep. And uh, uh, the only bourbon before, during, and after uh, Prohibition, which again, debate. Right. But what, um, uh, uh, Elijah Craig, mm-hmm. supposedly the first bourbon bottled and it was bottled by a Baptist minister. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that as he was but, talking, but, yeah. but, but, but they stake a claim as being like the, the original bourbon, mm-hmm. but it's when in such, this is a whole other podcast. We really should think about doing in a crowded marketplace of, of a certain product segment like bourbon where there's so the crowd is so you, it's like, it's, there's so many, you, all you see is Brown. You know what I mean? You can't see the labels. You just see all these brown bottles. Uh-huh. Uh, how extremely difficult it is to to tell an authentic story that makes you stand out from the rest of the crowd. Uh-huh. Well, and and on that, because we won't wrap up here, is that you know I've I, I think I believe the whole uh, Baptist minister making bourbon because I too have been in deacon meetings and thought, man, I could use a drink. (laughs) Um, So anyway, with that, uh, if you want to like check out nerd brand, how we build brands, uh, see the faces of the team, meet us, you can go to nerdbrandagency.com. Yeah. Or maybe just skip over Mitch's face. I don't know. It's up to you. Uh, Don't want to scare the kids. Yeah. Scare the kids. (laughs) John, tell the people where they can find us on social. Anywhere. Anywhere, just look for us. <laughs> We're at Nerd Brand Agency pretty much anywhere. Yeah, so uh, consistency. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, if you want to check out this podcast, you can go to, gosh, anywhere as well. You can go to Apple, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Spotify, yep. So Sounder. Sounder FM, yep, all of those places. And you can find it primarily on nerdbrandagency.com slash podcast. Did and we mention YouTube? Yes, this is on YouTube. So if you're watching this, Please click the bell, like, subscribe, and apparently there's a thing going on where they got rid of the dislike button. Mm-hmm. But I don't <laughs> you know. You can't not like us. But I am. An, I'm going to say officially, I still have the dislike button, so I kind of feel like I'm being trolled or pranked <laughs> I think by the it's internet. The, uh, the public dislike count—they're not showing the number publicly. You can still see it on the back end. Oh, as the creator or whatever. Oh, but they're not showing the public dislike counts anymore. For I don't know. That's why. so inauthentic. That's a. <laughs> and on that note, that's going to conclude this episode of the Nerd Brand Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and remember, keep your nerd brand strong.